Hello and welcome to Maven America. We're back and it's season two and we have more immigration stories told by the people who've lived them. Right now, though, it's really dark days in the USA for many of us. You can hear our special episode dealing with the executive orders from the White House and the fallout from those in the podcast feed. And next week, we're going to be covering immigration under Trump, too. But today, it's Valentine's Day. We have looked high and low to bring you the sweetest, most romantic, most practical immigration love stories. I remember we were under the chuppah, which is the marriage canopy, and I could hear you sniffling. And I thought, oh, he's crying. It's so sweet. And I found it after you had a cold. I can't wait for you to hear more of these love stories. But first, as always, it's time to get the facts from our stat queen. We're going to be hearing a lot more from Mona Chalabi this season as she helps us to understand just what is happening with immigration under Trump. So here she comes, data editor with The Guardian US. It's data, please. Data, please. Data, please. Hi, Mona. Hi, Maeve. Let's tell them what's happening with this specific episode. Do you know? You're co-hosting. I'm so confused right now. Okay, wait. This isn't when you say data, please. I'm not required to provide any data today. Actually, you can do personal data today. Okay, okay. Like my menstrual cycle. No. <laughs> okay, so we're co-hosting, so I need to be lively and stuff. No, you don't need to be anything. Oh, All it hi. is, it's Valentine's Day. Yeah. I don't want to be alone. It's not actually <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> You We're keep taping getting confused this. about the date, don't you? <laughs> Every day is Valentine's Day when you're lonely. <laughs> We're taping this like uh, the week before Valentine's. And I was like, I don't want to do it by myself. I want to have a co-host. Aww. And I thought, who better than what's her name? Who's available? You know I'm always available on Valentine's Day. <laughs> but Mona, we haven't spoken to you since the executive orders, mm. the travel ban... And I read a piece that you wrote in The Guardian about like how your life has been. So can you tell me like how you're doing and how has it been being a Muslim immigrant to America? Uh, I think I'm not doing great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm doing a little bit better than I was when it was first kind of issued. Yeah, I don't know. The one thing I will say is that like I had been starting to feel like a little bit cynical maybe about journalism. And I was like, you know... um, we're only speaking so often to people who agree with us. We're not really reaching people who, like, who don't agree with us. And when the order was issued, for me, reading the news was not, like, an indulgence or, or you know, like, just to inform myself. It was, like, yeah. a matter of survival. Like, each yeah. new headline was critical for understanding whether or not I had a future in this country. I feel so committed to journalism right now, you know? Like... Mm-hmm. But then it's also a really fine line because I have felt increasingly this impulse to self-censor. I can't do Mm -hmm. my job without stating facts that by their very nature, which are objective and true, are critical of Trump. And then the other part of it is even in my reporting on being a Muslim immigrant, there are so many factors, places I've been or where my parents come from or whether or not I have dual citizenship that I just don't want to say because I... I feel like it will put me at risk, but at the same time, Mm. not saying isn't really helping people to understand my situation. And, like, people don't get, A, the fear that, like, 
a lot of people and people who are more vulnerable than me are experiencing right now. Um, B, they have no understanding of like the actual specificities of my of my situation. Yeah. And C, I think people don't understand how arbitrary the system feels when you're a part of it. But when I re-entered the country on January 3rd after having gone back to London for Christmas, uh, the border guard who processed me wrote mm. down the wrong date of expiration on my visa. He wrote down uh, February 14th, ironically enough, uh, 2017. My visa actually expires in November 2018. And just by chance, our HR department caught it because they double check everyone's visas once a month. And had they not let me know, I would have become illegal on Valentine's Day without having any knowledge of it whatsoever. Maybe the border guard didn't like me. Maybe he just made a mistake. So that's what's quite scary. I hope that you don't mind that we're doing a special Valentine's episode when all of this is churning through your mind and your experience. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I feel like despite all of this, life is going on, like for Muslim yeah. immigrants in the US. And like, you still have to go to work. You still have to go to school. Some people are getting married. Maybe because of or maybe despite what's happening. Mm. We went down to City Hall and I want you to hear some immigrants that we found oh, wow. there. Yeah. Hi, I'm Nao. I'm from Japan. Uh, my name's Shiraz. I'm at 141 Worth, the office of the City Clerk City of New York Marriage Bureau. I'm here to get married to my fiancé now. Okay, this is now and Shiraz. Look, you can see them on my Aww. Instagram. I know, and she has this gorgeous floral crown and these cool antique Japanese shoes. We asked her about them. He's a looker as well, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's taken. Did you just literally literally just got married? (laughs) (laughs) And then when I got my green card, the officer who stamped my uh, entry to the United States complimented my shoes. That was basically the interview. Like, he just, like, says, oh, great shoes. And then it's like, stamp, welcome to America. (laughs) Yeah. So it's my good luck shoes. I did consider like, should we be having this wedding, you know, when the world is so troubling at the moment. It's like a dark shadow over all of us, but my father's from Pakistan and he was Muslim. And even though he came 40 years ago, I still have to think like how much hate he's getting from people he doesn't know. And it concerns all of us. I think it's actually the time we should get married and celebrate love. If we're stronger together, I think we can hopefully, you know, extend our love to others. My trip to City Hall inspired me to play matchmaker and set you up on a date. And I thought it would be a really good idea for our Valentine's Day show, but you were a bit reluctant. I would never, ever say to someone who is like, yeah, with the person they wanted to spend the rest of their life with, like, hold off a second. Everything else is, like, falling down. But what I keep on trying to explain to other people is, like, my overwhelming emotion right now is just fear. And, like, it's very difficult, I think, to fall in love when you're shitting your pants. <laughs> oh, that should be the title of your memoir. Falling in love <laughs> while shitting my pants. <laughs> uh, I know. I do know you and like we're friends but I don't think it was the right time to set you up on a date but I really wanted to and I was like I'm going to set Mona up and we'll record it for the podcast and it's going to be like so fun and a great distraction (laughs) but I don't know if I would have gone on a date if it wasn't for this like I'm really not thinking about romance at all but well whenever you ask me to do something Maeve I blindly do it and I did this I'm Ian, by the way, yeah. <laughs> I just um, did she tell you who I was? I'm Mona. 
Nice to meet you. Onion, <laughs> hi. <laughs> Are you gonna get anything to drink? I think I'm okay. I'm like, I've been kind of um, sick the last couple of days, but I'm fine. I've heard that you're only contagious when you don't know that you're sick. Before you feel the symptoms is when you're contagious. So. Yeah, I've heard that before. I don't know if I've done it. What were your first impressions? Uh, my first impressions were, you seem nice. Will I tell you why I set you up with him? Sorry, yeah. Uh, so I met him. He's like a very good friend of a very good friend of mm -hmm. mine. Your type, handsome, funny, like dressed well, smart, white. <laughs> the type of guy that you like. <laughs> and so I was like, this will be a good match. And when I heard this, I was like, oh, it's awkward. But like the start of dates are always awkward. Yeah. I would agree with that. Honestly, having like microphones on you does make it a little bit more awkward. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dating in New York is really hard. And we're going to come back to your date a little bit later. But I just want you to hear this one person because she had to come to New York to find a partner in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Listen to this. I moved to Crown Heights because I became part of the Lubavitch sect of Judaism. And this is sort of the dating hub of our sort of group of Judaism. A lot of single people come here right. for the dating opportunities. I moved here, I think, in August 2013, and we our first date was March 5th. More early March, yeah. March 5th. Yeah, I think it was March 5th, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Andrew and Nessia Goldstein, and Nessia's family, they're originally Argentinian, but she grew up in Canada in the Lubavitch community, you kind of go to your rabbi and say, like, this is the mm -hmm. type of person I'm looking for. The rabbi's like, mm, no, you can have this type of person. <laughs> I, and then, I actually know this because I did a Lubavitch uh, tour of Brooklyn. Yeah, I love that, like, they had a very traditional setup, mm. but also then they just, like, Googled each other. Let's hear more about their story. I, I have a, um, a Facebook music page called Rocky and the Goldstein. <laughs> and so at that time, you know, the the amount of likes were, were pretty minimal. And I mean, now it hasn't grown so much either. It's more of a country Western music um, by a, a Hasidic Jew. So you were one of the only people who, who liked the page. And no matter where I go, I'm still my father's son. When did you know that I was the one? Uh, it was during Perm. Perm is a, is a holiday that you get inebriated. Um, you drink quite a bit. A Jewish holiday. Jewish holiday, yeah. It's not a non-Jewish holiday. Um, <laughs> I drank a lot. And, you know, I just saw it working. It was extremely impulsive in me because... We weren't together. We weren't. We were dating, but... but I mean, we weren't physically together. You were at we a We were physically party. together, yeah. I remember that at that point, it just it felt so clear. I mean, it still feels clear. I also was inebriated. That, but also in Jewish, in the Talmud, it says that the, the wine goes in and the, the... Truth comes out. The truth comes out. So there you go. I remember on our first date, I asked you about your favorite foods. And you said, I don't really have any favorite foods, but I hate hot raisins. And I couldn't stop laughing because what a weird answer. Right. And you still make me laugh a lot. In the beginning, we were pretty set on staying here in the U.S. And now with the recent inauguration, et cetera, we've been thinking more of moving back to Canada. And um, it's it's tough. We're at a stage where we want to put down our roots and we don't really know where to put them. 
Do you mind me asking if you're thinking about going back or where's your head at? Uh, I don't know. I think about it all the time. I don't have the same opportunities at all back in England. Um, mm-hmm. So that's really, really tough. What about this question of, you know, if, if you or I married a US citizen, mm. we would get a green card, which is not perfectly secure as we've learned recently, yeah. but it's a big step in like a path to citizenship. Yeah. So like... Does that impact your dating life? Not at all. Not at all. I'm really lucky that I'm at a stage in my career where I can apply on my own merits. I'm quite focused on like power dynamics in relationships mm-hmm. and I never want to be in a relationship where uh, I'm with someone who who either sees me as powerless or, you know, and I just think that dynamic is like fundamentally unhealthy if you're with someone in order to secure your future in this country. Yeah, I hear you, but that dynamic isn't like a choice, right? Like if you just happen to meet someone, the mm-hmm. fact is by virtue of them being born here, that power dynamic exists already. Yeah. I wanted you to hear this story, right? Because I love this couple. They met at a Starbucks, which I think is like really funny and so American. So American. And yeah, let's let's take a listen. It's Minori and Jeff. My name is Jeff O'Connell. I'm from Stanford, Connecticut. My name is Minori Kawasaki. Um, I'm from Japan. He seemed nice and uh, he had a really nice smile on his face. Yeah, That was first impression. Um, I thought she was uh, a little crazy because her hair was permed at the time and it was all over the place. Then she asked me why I thought American men like one night stand so much. And I closed my <laughs> laptop and I said, you know, I don't. But uh, let's have a conversation about that. I was dating, like, some people, but every time it didn't last long. I was actually in the middle of a divorce, and so we started seeing each other. And, uh, you know, it took a long time before it it felt settled and official. But then after a couple years, you know, it got more serious. There was also the green card questions started to come up. There was a moment when... Her visa was expiring, and so we had a serious conversation about getting married. And I said, no, I can't. Like, I'm sorry, no. They were just like a regular couple. And then he had been, you know, just out of a divorce. He has a little boy. Like, he just wasn't into the idea of getting married. And she wasn't either, actually. Yeah. But, like... It was just the situation where, like, if they didn't, then she had to leave. Yeah. You know. But, I mean, I have friends who have been in that position, too. I still think that's different. It's like, this is what we need to do in order to stay together, which I completely understand. I think that's totally different to, like, I don't know, being on a date with someone and thinking, hmm, you got American citizenship, huh? (laughs) Totally. You know? Yeah. I actually asked Jeff and Minori about, like, how it was and their relationship and how that power dynamic played out. It's an ever-present question, especially early on. Um, and it's a hard question to get over because by saying, by saying no, I'm, I wouldn't be interested in helping you with a green card, you're basically putting a time limit on a relationship. It's one of the things I, I liked about you is that even though there was that pressure, you never let that be your driving force. I just wanted to make a life here by myself. Always um, the life at the time was kind of, I'm just surviving here. And then I felt like, oh my God, maybe I don't exist. And I think that's what I had the most empathy for. 
What is married life like? So good. I think I finally felt um, this is home. This is my home. That feels so good. <laughs> Sometimes we still can't believe we're married. Uh, right. We just kind of laugh about it. I want to just revisit your date. I have this thing where I want to, in my time off, go around to people who are on dates in the city and whisper into the straight guy's ear, don't forget to ask her about herself. Because <laughs> so many of them don't do that. Yeah. But at least he did that. I have a three-year-old puppy. She's, it's like having a baby. <laughs> mm, is it? Yeah, it's insane. I just got her, so. What kind of a dog is it? It's a French bulldog. All right, we're talking a lot about me, so what do you do? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. No, I'm also just listening to myself and because I know myself, I'm being so rude to him. I don't care about the dog. Yeah, you did. You asked him what kind of dog it is. I think I'm really, I'm not asking any follow-up questions. Mona, this isn't about you or about Ian's like performance on the. Date. I know, but I can't help but be like, oh God, I wouldn't go on a second date with me. I went on a date with a guy like three weeks ago and didn't go on a second date with him because he left a chicken bone on the table. And I was like, I don't ever want to see you. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know I sound like an absolute monster, but it was because, again, like this thing about relationships with power, like yeah. it is a basic thing of respect that when you have like gnawed on some nasty chicken bone, you put it on your plate. And like I was watching the waitress picking up like, Aww. and she was leaving it till last. So I'm like, pick up the chicken bone, put it on the plate, pick up the chicken bone, <laughs> pick up, pick up the chicken bone. I had a personal problem listening to this, this next part of the date. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I had a personal problem being there. <laughs> it's hard because, like, you know, I don't want to talk about politics with people. Also because, so like... did you vote? I did vote, yeah. You did vote? Who did, did you vote for? I don't know if it's appropriate to say. I did not vote for Donald Trump. And you didn't vote for Hillary Clinton? No, I did not. Okay. But did you recognise that, like, a vote for a third-party candidate was, yes, yeah. I do. But also, like, I maintain that I live in a democracy and, like, if I cannot express my views in a democracy, then we no longer live in a democracy. So even I wasn't terrified of Trump. There was a couple weeks there where I was saying, you know what, I think the best thing for America could be a Donald Trump presidency because a failed Donald Trump presidency would be the best thing to wake up, like, a complacent middle America but do you recognise that you're saying that from a position where you have less to lose than other people in America like me? Like, if Donald Trump, who has said, like, horrifically racist... No, but this is before, like, this is before I realised that he was rolling with... I didn't know that he was rolling with, like, the Steve Bannons. But even before that, he was saying stuff about Mexicans being rapists. Like, he was saying stuff that was... I know, but, like, but that's, like, that's just shit to get, like, 
airtime. But if you're one of those people that he's talking about, it doesn't matter if it's just for show. He's 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 you, unthinkable as a, as an electable man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And also, this is like me speaking hypothetically in yeah. August. Yeah, yeah. You know. Mm. So this is that's by no means like me supporting. No, no, no I know that. I know what you're saying. Yeah. We were like, we're gonna bring some light and love. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it didn't work out that way, did it? Okay, we're going to go back to the ending of the date later. But um, I really wanted to hear from somebody who was in an arranged marriage. So let's hear Nalina. My name is Nalina Christian. I'm from the southern part of India. And um, that is uh, one of the most traditional places. So it's like, according to religion, you have their individual marriage bureau so to this particular place you send the girls profiles and picture and everything so that's where my husband picked mine this to me sounds exactly like tinder like there's pictures and there's like a little bio and you just go through and you select yeah and this is something that really frustrates me, given that my parents had an arranged marriage. People repeatedly confuse arranged and forced. My mum had yeah. every right to say no at any given point. One of my cousins cycled through 50 men before she found one that she actually wanted to say yes to, you know? Like, force and arrange are totally different, yeah. They go and see, like, 100 girls. I don't want to be a piece of art or someone comes and sees me. They come, they see the girl... If they like the girl, they say yes and move on with the arrangements. If they don't like the girl, they will point blankly tell on the girl's face that, hey, we don't like you. So he sent his sister with her husband to come and see me. So she came, she saw me and she said, "Uh, no, uh, we're going to look for a better girl because I was dark and uh, I was devastated. So like six, seven months passed. And then in July, we hear from the same guy saying that he's coming this time personally to see me. And I'm like, no way. I'm not going to let this happen again. My dad was like, he really wants to come and see you. Right away, he said, oh, um, I like her. And let's go ahead with the arrangements. We have this engagement party, so he has to put a ring in my finger. So my dad and my uncle are like, you, you, you're not touching the girl. And he's like, how can I put the ring without touching her? My uncle was like, okay, you can just touch her that second before you put the ring. And there's like a million people watching both of us. This guy was trembling. I could literally see him like shaking and putting the ring in my fingers. So it's very strict in India. This is, I'm talking to you about 33 years ago. The first word I spoke to him was after the wedding. That's when he asked me, hello, how are you? And I was like, I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine. I told you that I had an arranged marriage date in December. This December just gotten... In England? In England. There was a guy whose mum was asking about me at the mosque to my mum. And so we arranged like an introduction and he didn't show up. He didn't show up? (laughs) He didn't show up. His brother showed up. His brother's wife showed up. His brother's wife's mum showed up. Where did you meet? 
I've never met him. No, but I mean, where did you and all of his family like meet? Oh, at my mum's place, at my mum's place. Wow. My mum made tea. Because my parents have had such a like a wonderful marriage. I think I've like really, really romanticised that hmm. ideal. And this was quite a good reminder that, that that works for some people. This is not for me. Like, I think he'd watched a documentary series that I made about vaginas and was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I thought that would be a bonus. No, no. Nah, no. Nah. Like... I really do believe that it works out for some people. Speaking of which, can we hear the end of your date? <laughs> sure. These last few weeks have been very strange uh, for me for very different reasons, obviously. Why? 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 I'm an immigrant in America and Trump just got elected. Oh, God. Why? Is your status a, threatened by I'm that? I'm a Muslim immigrant. Uh, and yeah, my status is threatened, potentially. It's but not... are you, aren't you British, though? Mm-hmm. You haven't been paying attention to the, the specificities of the rules, have you? Honestly, I have like crazy anxiety when it comes to Steve Bannon. Mm-hmm. And like, thank you do so much. No. Mm. But Steve Bannon is like my trigger. He will make me suicidal if I read too much about him. So like I've had to like shut off <clears throat> the news for like the last week because I was on edge. Mm-hmm. like. This is going to sound quite aggressive, but it's kind of a privilege to be able to ignore the news. Like, yeah. I have to know what's happening because... No, I know. My, <clears throat> yeah, I just have to know because my future kind of depends on it. I understand. Yeah. So a couple, a couple things. <laughs> As you can hear, I was really into the bread that was on the table. <laughs> really digging in. And also, prior to me saying, oh, I've had quite a rough two weeks... He had said that the past couple of weeks have been rough on him because he's had a bit of a cold. And that was why I wanted to kind of offer that sense of perspective. So my producer did a little post-mortem with you both after the date, separately. Take a listen to this. Um, She's great. She's very nice. She's funny. The immigration stuff is just like, it's hard. I don't know, like, a lot of people who are, like, facing that right now. Um... Because I don't really know the full extent of it. I'm like really caught off guard by that. He seemed like a nice guy, like really, really good looking, nice guy. And I'm just like, I, I, like, I can't, I just wanted it to end. Like, I just don't want to, yeah. I don't really feel like he understood the position that I'm in. Someone who's like, uh, saying offhand remarks about Trump, like, that stings. Um, and, and I get it. He was just he was just being really, really honest. He was just being honest, and I respect that. But, um, yeah, I don't really know what someone can say that's right. Like, beyond him saying, yeah, that sucks. I don't know. Anyway, I think I'm also upset because it kind of felt like almost every single date I've been on, and I'm just quite exhausted. It gave me an understanding of, like, what it's like to be someone who's like being marginalized as we speak, like by the government Mm. coming across like someone who isn't. And the reason why I really want to say, oh, you know, like I wouldn't normally say this is because the truth is the fact of being recorded changes the dynamics and the true dynamics in a date situation like that would have been me biting my lip and ordering the check and going home. In a really polite way. In a a really polite way, they would have had no idea. You know, because there's no point. I can't have those arguments every single day. This is my situation. So is your instinct to just like stick with the people that you already have around you that you can trust? 
what's your kind of instinct? I guess my instinct is to like do what I can when I can, I guess. It's just like, you know, sometimes I go home and I listen to podcasts and I watch I watch movies about the situation that we're in. And sometimes I go home and I like just listen to Arrested Development. Mona, thank you so much. We're we're starting this new thing at the end of every show uh-huh. for this season. Um, and it's because things are so heavy and be so real that we're going to do like a moment at the end of every show that's like joyful or light or funny. And we're calling it um, Cheer Up Charlie. Cheer, cheer Up Charlie. It is a very funny comedian, Joel Kim Booster. He's one of my favorites. Here he is performing at WNYC's Green Space. I get a lot of advice um, from people who are in love, like, Joel, don't be so desperate, stop being so thirsty, play hard to get, you know, like that's one that I hear most often, play hard to get, which is very difficult for me to do because I'm very easy to get, you know, Uh, it's uh, been tricked into a lot of situations, I'm very sexually gullible, as they say, Uh, it's tough, this is... 100% true. I was uh, stood up by three different men on three different first dates. Um, And I think like the hardest part about that for me was just not knowing how those men died. You know, like what (laughs) happened to them? (laughs) It's the not knowing that hurts the most, you know? Um, (laughs) Can we still set you up? No. Please. No, absolutely not. No, No more dating. No, no. What about my theory that you just need to stop with white guys? No guys. No 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 guys? guys. Nothing with a ball sack. (laughs) (laughs) Mona, thank you so much. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you so much. I feel like I should be in a better position to date people because you're out of the game now. (laughs) One less bitch on the thing. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Next week for President's Day, we're going to be covering immigration under Trump. And check out what our friends at Define American and I Am an Immigrant are doing. Find the hashtag to Immigrants with Love on Facebook and Twitter. It's a beautiful letter writing campaign for immigrants and the allies who love them to publicly acknowledge that we are standing with immigrants no matter what. Maven America is a joint production of Pretty Good Friends and First Look Media. This episode was produced by Shayna Feinberg and Erica Romero, with help from Julie Smith-Clem, Naomi Westwater-Weeks, Matt Schiltz, Ian Goldstein, Nick Bornstein, Lita Malad, and Pat Masidi-Miller, who wrote our theme music. The show was engineered by Cameron Drews and Brian Pugh, with music by sending letters to The Sea and Rocky and the Goldstein. Special thanks to Jennifer Sendrow and everyone at WNYC and the beautiful Green Space. Shout out to Ian Noel and The Belly Restaurant. Check out our Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Made in America for photos of our lovebirds. And please share this episode with someone you love. More immigration stories next week. <laughs> <laughs>